Do you want to try out new chicken keeping products with the convenience of a few clicks and boom, a variety of products arrive on your doorstep? You must check out Henny and Rue, the chicken keeper subscription box. Each box could include a chicken tree, a medical or health product, a book or magazine, and there are always a couple fun, useful chicken themed items for the chicken keeper. Keep your chickens from having resting beak face and order them their very own monthly box. Go to hennyandrew.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 10% off your first box. Hey, Sam. Oh, hey, Bev. What you drinking over there? I just opened a platform beer company, S'mores Yummy. Ooh. Which is a sweet potato ale. And I'm really excited about it. I think I may have drinking this last year, but I can't remember. But Drinking? 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 Drunken? I haven't drunk anything yet today. I mean, <laughs> not with alcohol in it anyways. <laughs> what are you drinking over there? So I just opened up a new Holland Brewing Ichabod, which mm. is a pumpkin ale made with real pumpkin, cinnamon, and nutmeg spices. And New Holland Brewing is in Holland, Michigan. So a good local beer. I've been hanging on to this one for a few weeks because now we're officially in fall. So instead of being judged for being a basic bitch, now it's like the trendy thing to be basic and have all your pumpkin things. I like it. Me too. But this one's really good. I highly recommend it. I'm a big fan of that one. And I really like New Holland Brewing. I have been there. So it's a pretty neat little brewery. I have not been there. So that says something. <laughs> you live in Michigan. You should go there. They have tulips in the spring. Yeah. It's like all the way on the other side of the state, though. So we don't get over there very much. <laughs> Fair enough. Michigan is a big state. Yes. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. That's Bev over there. And that's Sam over there. And this is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a big farm, to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related. And speaking of those tangents, we cut a lot of those and stick them up on the Patreon. And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So if you're not a Patreon peep yet, you can go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. It starts out at $2 a month to gain access to exclusive recordings, pictures, funny things that we say and do that we have to cut. Um, That's all up on there. So make sure you go check that out. 
And speaking of the Patreon, our drinks this episode were sponsored by Jessica Hawkins, which is at It's Just the Hot Mess over on the Instagrams. And cheers, lady. Cheers. And I do want to point out before we jump into our episode material that Saturday, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, is National Drink Beer Day. So make sure you drink beer on National Beer Day. And uh, if you're out farming and drinking safely, hashtag drink and farm. So we can come check out in your posts and check out your beer that you're drinking and drink along with you. Fun. Yeah. So I do have a bit of follow-up this week. And it was when I was searching for my can't even for this week, I stumbled across some follow-up from a can't even that I had a couple weeks ago. Um, and it was from episode 76, which was Smell This Chicken. Um, my can't even was talking about loose piggies <laughs> that got out of this guy's farm because his like he had a former employee that vandalized his fence. And it released 200 piglets and 50 adult pigs. Well, they're still rounding up all the pigs, allegedly. So the federal <laughs> government is actually helping now. Oh, hey. Um, yeah. But it... This whole thing is just kind of makes me shake my head a little bit because the farmer thinks that about 100% of his pigs have made their way back home. Um, but he, there are people that are like still allegedly having sightings of some of them. Um, so he's given permission to the uh, USDA to set up game cams outside his farming area. Um, he farms about 70 acres on a lot that's like a thousand acres of forest land. So if there are pigs out there, they'd probably be tricky to find. Um, so they set up these cameras and they have live traps out um, and they haven't find, found anything yet. And they're supposed to let him know if they see any signs of his pigs. So <laughs> the USDA's involvement comes after a September 10th deadline that state officials gave the farmer um, to be able to wrangle all the pigs. And there's this guy named Eric Holmgren. Um, and he's the chair chairman of Orange's Select Board. And he drives past Sugar Mountain Farm daily to document how many escapees, he says, are hogging up the road. <laughs> yeah, good job, Boston.com. And the surrounding areas. And he says he's personally seen pigs as far as a half mile away. And if you remember from a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that this guy's getting all these fines for this. And the town, as of, like, September 9th, has fined him $136,000. And it just continues to climb. Um, and this spokesperson for the town is like, this outbreak has been tough on the neighbors. They don't want to just come out of their house and have a pig like 10 feet away from their back door. It's not an ideal situation for anyone. And I'm like, I think that was great, but okay. Um, <laughs> but this orange town clerk, Angela Eastman told NBC five on September 11th, that six residents had reported pig sightings on each of their different properties and that they had been rooting up their lawns and trampling their fences. Oh, I can see why that would be frustrating. Yes, but this has been all alleged. And Jeffries disputes these official accounts 
that the pigs wandered far from home and caused a ruckus for traffic and pedestrians. He doesn't think that they all went out that far because it'd be a, a really long journey for them. And he said that virtually all of the pigs has stayed on his farm. They didn't go very far. And if you remember back a few episodes, they baited them with hot dog buns to come back. And if you That's know right. anything about pigs, they are food driven. <laughs> they are going to want it. So he said, the farmer said they were not all over town. Um, contrary to the town clerk's claims and stories in the media, two sows went to a neighbor's house and did a very small amount of rooting in their grass. But it was an isolated incident within the valley that he lives in. And it's a long way from anyone else. So state officials have expressed concerns about um, these pigs being loose because, allegedly, um, per Vermont Agriculture Secretary Anzen Tibbets, domestic pigs, if they become feral or wild, um, can be very destructive to the environment. They can destroy habitat, crops, and they can destroy lots of things in the environment other than, you know, habitat and crops. Jeffrey said fears that the pigs will go feral is pretty dramatic. Um, the farmer says the pigs don't have the right genetics to go feral and that they would not survive the winter. Um, so it seems like there's a lot of he said, she said, and a lot of um, made up stories that are kind of happening. So it's it's one of those situations where it's like hard to know it's true. And it's tough to know like if the media is just taking people for their word without any real evidence that these pigs are like running amok um so i feel bad for this guy but i hope it gets under control and now that the usda has stepped in maybe they can clear up some of these potential accusations about what's actually going on so i'll play devil's advocate for just a moment though because i can kind of see like why the neighbors would be really upset if they are seeing pigs or oh, seeing yeah. like damage oh like yeah. maybe they haven't actually seen the pigs but you know there's like rooting you know like in their yards and it's like well what else would do that there are a couple of other wild things that might do that i don't know maybe there is like a wild population of pigs too there's that just not. happens to be oh there's that not was oh, okay. in that article they found like one a couple of months ago that's unrelated to this incident oh, okay. but there is no feral pig community in that area oh, and i kind okay. of feel like if if what you're saying as the devil's advocate would be true that the media would be reporting with pictures and video evidence, and they are not. That's true. There should be pictures of the wild pigs running around if they are actually yes. there. Yes. But my gut instinct tells me that most of them, if he's saying most of them are home, they're probably home. Because he grows these pigs and sells them to restaurants and other like facilities where you would buy meat. So he's actually losing revenue. If these pigs didn't come home and him not having um, them available to uh, live out their purpose and now he's getting all these fines, I just don't know that it makes much sense that they're kind of painting this picture of him as not being proactive. That's true. And, you know, something else, he probably has like ear hang tags for them. Mm, So he mm -hmm. would know if any were still missing if they're tagged. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. So, unfortunately, this saga continues for this farmer. And I just hope that it clears up soon and (laughs) that his, you know, 
neighbors in town just don't hate him for the rest of his life. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we can get into this week's episode. Hooray! Hooray! So this week we wanted to talk about rolling with the punches on the farm and how our reactions and experiences to things that happen, especially recently on both of our farms, um, can actually help us in non-farming related activities. So, Bev, I'll let you go first because I feel like yours is a little more heavy than mine. (laughs) Mine was just kind of like an inconvenience. Yours was probably a lot scarier. And I haven't heard the whole story yet, so I'm excited to hear you tell it. Uh, And, you know, this story has kind of been formulating in my head for a while. Like, I posted a little tiny something about it on Instagram, but, like, I just I didn't know where to start. Because it's kind of a hard story to tell because it's like so many things have just been like happening around here. It's just I think it's just the time of year and like the season that I'm in in my life. I just like felt kind of overwhelmed by everything. Mm -hmm. So on Wednesday, I decided that I was going to pick some stuff out of the garden and cook my family dinner because I thought that if I actually used some of the stuff that we had here on the farm like I'd stop beating myself up about like the way that I'm spending my time and whatnot because I feel like I haven't gotten to really like enjoy what we've been doing here or like Mm. the fruits of our labors literally (laughs) because I've got like garden beds full of peppers and things that are just like rotting because I don't have time to go out there and pick them and even once I pick them I don't have time to to save them or cook with them so I'm just like all right to like get some of this guilt off my shoulders I'm gonna make my family dinner and one of the things about using fresh produce from your garden is that picking it and then washing it and prepping it for use always takes longer than you think it's going to (laughs) (laughs) so in hindsight I don't think that this was a very wise decision on my part (laughs) considering like all of the crazy things that have just been happening around here Mm -hmm. and so like in the moment it actually just made me like even more stressed out so I'm rushing to make dinner in the kitchen the sun is quickly setting so in my head I'm like getting even more angry and frustrated so I'm like great now I gotta go do farm chores in the dark because you know that's really fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then my son walked in and he's like, can't you hear that goat screaming? And I was like, no, I I can't hear a goat screaming. But, you know, they've been like super obnoxious lately. So will you just peek your head outside and see if they're just standing at the gate screaming because they think I need to come feed them or something or, you know, like if there's something really wrong. And he did. He opened the door and he looked outside and apparently everything was all fine at first because he started saying, oh, yeah, they're just standing at the gate. Oh, uh, wait, uh, mom, Hark's on top of one of the goats. Oh, no. And then I could hear like the screaming and, you know, that pitch, Mm, that goat pitch of screaming. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I've got dinner on the stove. Like it's actually sauteing like inside the pan. I'm like, this shit's going to burn. All this is going to go to waste. Like whatever. I just like I dropped it. Luckily, I was still wearing my boots because I'm terrible and I wear my boots in the house. (laughs) I just like beelined it. I'm not a runner, but I ran out to the pasture so fast because I was like. I could hear the screaming. So I was like, this is serious. This is not mm-hmm. This is not what we've dealt with in the past. 
and I'm waving my arms, I'm yelling, I'm clapping, I'm saying, Herc, Herc, because when I say his name, he usually comes, he like comes when I call like a dog now, which is really cute. (laughs) (laughs) He saw me and he just like perked his ears up and he stopped what he was doing and he just like trotted over to me. Oh my God. Like he was so happy to see me. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like looking, I'm like, all right, the goat got up. So that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. So she's standing there mm-hmm. and she's like a fast panting and she's like, <gasps> and I'm looking and I'm like, all right, um, what am I going to do about this? <laughs> right. So I was super relieved that it didn't look like he was doing it out of, you know, like malice or anger. Cause you know, some animals are just kind of jerks and they'll attack other animals to be a jerk Mm -hmm. and it doesn't look like he was doing this in this in this case and like one of the things that's been going on around here is that I know that I need to separate Herc from the goats it's just not working out he's been playing a little too rough with them and he needs a friend of his own but I mean like everything is just insane and I'm doing my best and I just I hadn't got around to finishing separating them. And I was doing like this pasture rotation thing with them, but the mm-hmm. goats hated it. Herc hated it. No. It took a lot of time. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it, he's a mini, but like when Herc gets really mad at you, <laughs> he's not very easy to control. <laughs> right, right. He's a bit, for a mini, he's a big animal. There's, yeah. there's a lot of power there. Yeah. There is. And he's super strong. And like, I don't want to let him like, you know, strong arm me and and make my decisions for me. But I thought like, you know, if he's yelling so much because he misses them and they're acting like they want to be around him, like I should just put them back together and then build the fence and, you know, like see where we end up with. But like we've been waiting on these gates and everything is just taking so much longer than we thought it was going to. And then he goes and does this again. And it's just like, it's kind of made me feel like I don't have the ability to like prioritize situations that we're having on the farm. Mm. And like, I can't believe that this like almost really ended up in another goat death, which would have been super awful because this, yeah. this is totally yeah. preventable. Like, you know, getting like a, like a sickness or an illness is one thing, but like, Knowing that your donkey is kind of being a little too much with your goats and then like leaving them together felt just like super irresponsible, like in my brain. And I'm sure like to anybody on the outside that was watching, like, well, why didn't you just? Well, it's never really that simple. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. It's so easy to say that when you're on the outside of the issue. (laughs) Yeah. Because like everything just takes time. Like I can't get the right size gate. None of the farm stores in our area sell it. And it's a standard size gate and it's the size that we need to be able to easily like move the mower in. So it's not like we could just pick a different size and build the opening different. Like, you know, like uh, there's all of these like moving parts and pieces and decisions that have to be made that like to pivot like the design that you put together in order to get it done as quickly as possible just isn't as easy as as you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But like, don't worry, she's totally fine. She doesn't seem to have any like long term effects. She was a little upset that night. <laughs> I thought, yeah. 
I spent a lot of time in their barn stall with them and just kind of like kept an eye on her because I was mostly worried that like, you know, like she broke something or something internal might have happened Uh because he was like on top of her. She had grass stains all over her. She's a white goat. (laughs) Poor baby. (laughs) Yeah. And she was breathing so hard. Her nose and the inside of her mouth and everything like turned like an ash gray color. Like she wasn't getting enough like oxygen. Yeah. And she might probably have a little bit of shock going on, too. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it's the same goat that he picks on. He doesn't pick on any of the other goats. It's just this one, which is just like totally driving me crazy. Yeah. But they are permanently separated. We found a solution. It's kind of hodgepodgey, but it's permanent. And it'll Mm -hmm. do until I can get the damn gate that I need. (laughs) (laughs) See, and that's some sometimes that's all you can do on the farm too is like all right this has to happen now and it's not going to be pretty it's going to be thrown together and it might be inconvenient for a while but it's the necessary thing to do like we've definitely had to do that here yeah oh and for those curious dinner didn't burn either and it was delicious (laughs) (laughs) success so somehow i managed to be successful that evening we didn't eat until like 8 p.m but still (laughs) hey you know what nobody went to bed hungry so that is a win that's right and nobody died so exactly see two wins yeah double win So I was actually like struggling to come up with like what we learned from this situation because at the in the moment like I was just like it was all shit. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing to take from this. It's all awful because that's just where I'm at like in my mental space at the moment. <laughs> but like when I really thought about it, like I realized like being mentally prepared for chaos, I feel like really helped me kind of deal with the situation in a reasonable manner because mm-hmm. like when I had the adrenaline pumping and I was you know like running out there I somehow had like the mental wherewithal to not be mean to Herc mm. like I didn't I didn't say anything mean to him. I wasn't like aggressive towards him or like try to chase him away from them. Like I was like, I have to figure out how to get them separated without ruining all of the hard work that I've mm-hmm. done with Herc. Like, because yeah. anytime I screw that up, it takes us weeks to like rebuild all of that because he's just too damn smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so like I wasn't mean. I wasn't aggressive. I didn't like try to push him or like God like hit him with anything. Because, you know, like when you're... In those kinds of situations, sometimes you can just kind of react and you think that reacting physically is the way to make it okay. Yep. Yep. I've definitely pushed a goat away or off me a little harder than I would have liked. Yeah. I mean, I've (laughs) I've been there too. I've been there too. (laughs) Or just like yell at them out of frustration. And it's usually when I'm frantic already um, going into the situation especially if I have to do something by myself and I'm frantic, then they just go like freaking crazy. Especially if you have like food and they're hungry, they might like knock it out of your hand. Um, They might be running into you. But if I'm calm, when I go into that situation, they're more likely to chill out. And we kind of talked about that when we talked about pig behavior too. Like you have to be the alpha and that doesn't necessarily mean like be a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Like being the fair leader also means like 
being cognitively aware of how your behavior can either add fuel to this fire or figure mm-hmm. out how to like extinguish it. Right. And I really do like I credit some of my ability to do that to all of the meditation I've been doing because otherwise I feel like I'd be like totally and completely an insane person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's something for people to give a try if they haven't yet. It won't work for everybody because that's just the way that it is. Um, but I was just like, I was really pleased with myself that I managed to go in there and, and treat him like in a manner that was appropriate and get everybody away and get everybody safe. But I do have to share that while I was walking the goats into the barn, he was, you know, like sadly calling to us. He's like, no, you're taking my goat friends away. (laughs) I just like threw my hand up in the air and gave him the middle finger. (laughs) I mean, I feel like he doesn't know what that means. So it was probably the safest form of expression at that time for both of you. Yeah, he had no idea that that's what I did. He probably thought you were waving. He might have. Or you're number one, Herc. I'll be right back. Yeah, it's exactly. (laughs) So my real world, world application for this was that, like, this is actually a really great way to just deal with people. Because, you know, we all have different personalities and tendencies and we aren't always going to like each other or like the way that another person acts or behaves. So when that happens, I will try to be more mindful in the moment and just like walk away and give them the finger when they're not looking. looking, Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was going to add that. (laughs) Just to make sure they're not looking. Yeah, just make sure it. they aren't looking. Be do kind, <laughs> but just like, because you don't have to like everybody and you don't have no, to like the way everybody exactly. acts all the time. Just like you don't have to like the way your animals act all the time. <laughs> right. But you're responsible for your reactions to people. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. So, and that's not always easy to do. Oh, no, no. Especially in a adrenaline, like high pressure situation. Like I had something similar at work this week that was really intense and it wasn't directed to me but I had to jump in and help defuse it and it was like I couldn't believe like how well I handled it and how I was able to keep my cool so and I think that is because of situations like this like where you're in these intense situations and you can't lose your shit when everybody else is losing their shit so it I think it's really neat that that is something that you took out of this situation because I think it's totally accurate. And it's one of those things that I think you get better at it with practice. Yeah. And this is definitely. a safe place to have that practice sort of, right? You know, like, cause it's not with other people. Like it's right. with your animals still, but <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. So something else I kind of learned from this is that like, You can do all the homework you want, and some things are just 100% unexplainable on your farm. Mm -hmm. Like, why is Herc playing too rough with that specific goat on a weird whim when he's great with them 99.9% of the time? I have no idea. And I might not ever really know why. I mean, there are donkeys out there that work great with goats. There are donkeys that are never good with goats. Why do I have one that's good with goats most of the time and not every now and then? Hmm. It's like, it's super hard to say. Right. But I did kind of find, I, I have this weird, like, strange theory that it's kind of linked to her heat cycle. 
because it's just her and it's happened like a like once a month just like for these last couple and she is in heat. I did. Ch- I checked that when I put her in the barn because I was like, what on earth could this be? Like, this is so weird. Everyone's been yelling a lot. So I bet everybody is in heat. And I picked up her yeah. tail. I'm like, yeah, she's in heat. That's ex- like, that's super weird. But like, I can't find any research or experience or stories from anybody else that like backs that theory up. So like the real world application in this is that it's okay to not know all of the things and it's probably not great or healthy to run down research rabbit holes and try to find reasons when there just might not be. Right. I mean, maybe she's just in heat and she's extra mouthy and he doesn't like it. Like, maybe that's all it is. Yeah, it could totally be that. I mean, I will admit my goats are obnoxious AF during the heat cycle. Oh, ours are too. Yeah. But here's the thing. We had a lot of boys this year, and they're learning from Mama to scream. Oh, no. When she's screaming for no reason. (laughs) So if the girls are in heat and yelling their little heads off, um, so are the boys. And I found, too, that the goats, much like Hamlet, the pig, know when it's time to eat. So every night around like seven o'clock, they'll go stand out in their fenced out area and yell and yell and yell. Even if they still have hay because they know they're going to get alfalfa pellets and some grain. Yeah. They just stand and yell. So they're smart animals. Um, so if if it is, it sounds like it maybe is linked to the heat cycle. And if she's throwing some vibes at him that he doesn't appreciate. Or they're just loud and he gets annoyed and she's the easy one to pick on. It could totally be either of those. And she's just an easy target. Yeah. I mean, she is my most docile goat. So I'm like, mm. gosh, Herc, why you got to pick on the nice one? Yeah. Pick on someone <laughs> your own size. He's like, I would, but I don't have anyone my yeah. own size to pick on. <laughs> <laughs> Soon. Soon. Uh, yeah. One of these days, hopefully, if I can ever find one. That's the other thing nobody tells you. You should just get an alpaca or something. I have been considering that. Or llamas. He'd probably do better with a llama. I agree. they are bulkier. Yep. Alpaca, he might hurt that too. (laughs) He might hurt that too. Then I have to move the alpacas into the goats. And I'm like, all right, got to try again. And my husband's like, what the hell? (laughs) Your husband starts thinking it's like a strategy to get more animals on the farm. I think sometimes he does think that, but I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I really did the research to the best of my ability, and it just didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to. Yeah. Because that's just the way that it is. That's just life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's just life in general, not just farm life. (laughs) Yeah. And my last takeaway from this was uh, when you know things are insane, don't try to make it more insane by doing more. (laughs) Yeah, I should have just made my family frozen pizzas all week with all the stuff that's been going on because, like, I don't have time to prep food and Mm -hmm. take fresh food out of the garden. And, you know, if I had prioritized this pasture project, like, maybe I would have finished it before something happened. But, like, I won't know because I decided that picking peppers and squash out of the garden was more important at that moment. (laughs) Mm. So, like... When you feel like something needs to be done, it's okay to let the other things go mm-hmm. and just focus on that thing. And something else, too, 
you know, like when you have a garden and stuff rots, when you have chickens or other farm animals, it's not a waste. They eat it and they turn it into eggs for you. So like, don't feel guilty about that shit. (laughs) Yeah. My parents gave us a bunch of tomatoes a couple of weeks ago and I just couldn't get through them fast enough. Like I don't have the stuff to do any canning or anything like that. So for the ones that ended up starting to like go bad, I just went and threw the tomatoes into the pit where the chickens hang out during the day. And they were so thrilled. And the thing with tomatoes is, yes, they can eat the tomatoes. They just can't eat the plants. So don't come at me with that. (laughs) Yes. Have you seen that meme going around in the chicken groups again? It's got like a list of all of the things chickens can't eat and tomatoes are on it. And I just like roll my eyes every time. I'm like, please, my chickens would be dead if they couldn't eat tomatoes. Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's the plant part. So we used to have (laughs) tomato plants on the porch and the chickens were smart enough to pick off the cherry tomatoes and not eat the plant yep so they are smart enough to avoid certain things maybe not all of them but most of them are smart yep yeah they are all right so i don't know how i'm gonna follow that but (laughs) hopefully this will warm people's hearts uh but i came home from work on thursday A little early because I had to work a maintenance window for my health IT job. Um, And I was excited to have the opportunity to get home before I had to sit back down and go back to work. Um, And was able to start like to do some of the chores and make dinner. So I wouldn't have to kind of like your situation where you're like kind of felt guilty that you were just making like a frozen meal. And you're like, no, I should make something like from fresh ingredients and be healthy because I have the time to do it. Um, even though I was like feeling incredibly frantic yeah. myself. <laughs> um, so I get out of my car and I'm, wa- I'm in my work clothes and I'm like walking to Cluckingham Palace and I open the door and look down and saw that one of our eclipse baby chickens, as I call them, she was born like two years ago during the eclipse. Oh, yeah. She was hanging out with seven babies of her own. Oh. Yeah. So... <laughs> This mama has been broody on and off for months, and she wanted to be a mama so badly. So I wasn't totally shocked that she was the one toting around all these chicks. What I was shocked about was that she had a nest somewhere because I had been taking the eggs out, not letting the broody sit on them. Um, So I I swore that I heard peeping out behind the barn like a, a day or two before this. And I couldn't find anything, so I shrugged it off. But here I was in the coop, in my work clothes, thinking, what the F now? My plan for my whole free hour um, just went to shit. So I went inside to change and came out. And it was like I went into autopilot mode and I just cleaned up the space in the chicken tractor, threw down some shavings, got fresh water chick starter um that all went in the chicken tractor and then i proceeded to wrangle the chickens and or the baby chicks and the very annoyed chicken mama into the tractor Um, (laughs) she was not thrilled because she's been an independent woman for a for a while now and now she's in jail with her chicks yeah i I can i can definitely relate to that right now (laughs) (laughs) so i took the time to inspect all the chicks and make sure they were all good and I can confirm they're adorable. Oh. Um, and then closed up and finished the other work and I could deal with, you know, before I had to go back to my desk. 
So a lot of people, like I posted on Instagram and everybody's like, oh, this is the best kind of surprise. And this is the kind of surprise you want. And how adorable, too funny. But like inside, I was just like, no, because I was just about to be done buying Kickstarter. Yeah. We had, and I was just, I don't have the money to feed seven more chickens. And because we have this disease in our flock, I can't get rid of them unless I cull them. Yeah. And I'm not in a place where I can cull baby chicks. I'm just not. So no, I, can't I, I will take care of them and it's going to be fine. But it was funny to see everybody's perspective of how cute, like, kind of thing. And, and they are cute, don't get me wrong. But I was not planning on fall chicks. So, um, my lessons learned for this. If you hear chirping, you're probably not crazy. Um, <laughs> and there, you know, there might be something that you need to look deeper into. So, my real world application for that is it's good to trust your gut and your instincts most of the time, you're probably right about something. Unless your gut and instincts just suck, I know that mine are pretty good because I'm usually right about things that I have an instinct about. So do you think maybe it's possible that you didn't necessarily trust your instinct here because you were afraid of like what you would find and oh, knew that if you found them, <laughs> it would just be more work for you? Because I know that like I'm totally guilty of that. That could be part of it. That and I think I, when I'm under stress, um, my instincts and gut sometimes aren't always on point. And I've been extremely stressed out the past like two months. So I think that was part of it too. I just forgot to trust myself too. Yeah. But it could have been like a little bit of wishful thinking of <laughs> no. Maybe you're just hearing like baby wild birds. <laughs> you're like, if I don't see them, they aren't really here yeah. and I don't have to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lesson number two, do not throw potentially fertile eggs into your compost pile. So this was a lazy move on my part. We had neglected to gather eggs over a very hot couple of days and we had some broody Judy hens in the coop. So I tossed them in the compost pile when I did a clean out. And instead of putting them, you know, in a plastic bag and putting them in a trash can, like I should have, um, I put them back there and I'm fairly confident that this hen saw what I was doing and went on an adventure of a lifetime. And because we have so many chickens, if she was out there all the time, I just didn't know. Yeah. And while everybody else is free ranging, if she came out to free range too, then it just looked normal. Um, but she probably like <laughs> would go back there and if she walked away, the compost area could probably have kept the eggs warm enough. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so my real world application for this is that the easy way out sometimes will come back to bite you in the ass in some way, even if it's like a cute way, <laughs> it will haunt you. <laughs> I mean, being bit in the ass in a cute way is kind of fun yeah it <laughs> like in hindsight no pun intended right <laughs> oh you know one other thing you can do and the environmentalist in me is like don't put them in a plastic bag put them in the trash just break them yeah but then my chickens eat them oh that's true yeah and they'll yeah because we have some because we're not always great about collecting the eggs 
especially on my non-work from home days, because I assume they're being collected and they're not. So yeah. we do have some egg eaters in the coop and oh. they know how delicious it is. So, mm-hmm. But I could like break them in the compost pile and just make sure nobody followed me. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> just like bury them, you know, like take the pitch. Yes. Open a little bit, break them in there, and then throw it back on. Because then if they, like, scratched around and found them, they wouldn't look like eggs anymore anyway. It'd be gross. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be super gross. (laughs) Uh, Lesson learned number three, some broody hens will find a way no matter what you do to take the eggs away from them. Um, And the real-world application for this is you can't control the behaviors of others. If they want to do something, they'll most likely find a way, no matter what you tell them to do. Yep. So... That could relate to adults and children, really. I mean, if somebody has it in their mind, they're going to find a way to do it. Yeah, I can totally relate to that with my seven-year-old right now. (laughs) She's really trying my patience because she wants to do what she wants to do. (laughs) Yeah. They're at that age. Yeah, I watched my um, niece and nephew with my mom last Saturday and... That was pretty great birth control for me, if I'm being completely honest. They're adorable, don't get me wrong. And they have their their very adorable moments where they're, like, cuddling with you and stuff. But that strong-willed behavior, it's tough to know how to navigate that. And especially, like, I'm sure it's different between when they're your own and when they're your niece and nephew. Because for me, it's like, okay, in, like, you know, a couple hours, I get to walk away from that. Yes. So we'll see what kind of psych- psychology I can work on them now, but I don't have to worry about it long term. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and lesson learned number four, it's okay to have a WTF moment, but you need to refocus on the task at hand and get animals what they need in the moment. And I think this ties into like your first one where, you know, you can have that moment of, but you you got to get your shit together and just handle it and then if you need another wtf moment after that too that's fine but really with the real world application you just say for humans instead of animals just throw up that middle finger when they aren't looking exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) so this was kind of fun yeah yeah that's i feel like we took lemons and made lemonade and we hope you guys enjoyed that I think so, too. And I think that as the season continues on and we continue to learn things like we're still going to always have some of those WTF moments on the farm because I just don't Mm -hmm. think that you can have farm life without them. Mm -mm. But I think that you get better and better at handling them mentally the more practice you have. So, yeah. Once you're out of it and you're not panicking anymore, it's good to just, like, reflect on that and remind yourself of what you learned from this. Absolutely. I agree. That was some good lemonade. Yeah. With some vodka in it. Absolutely. All right. So now we're in our We Can't Even corner. And oh, my God, Bev, I'm making you go first because I need to hear this story. I purposely didn't, like, read it because you gave me, like, a sneak peek earlier. I was like, (laughs) I need to hear this now. (laughs) So I can't even get over that a massive semen explosion after a blaze hit a bull artificial insemination facility happened. And firefighters were forced to dodge projectiles. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like some kind of uh, 
movie you'd see on the sci-fi channel, like Sharknado, but with cow semen. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm picturing in my head. So this article is from Newsweek.com, and we'll link to it in the show notes. But a huge fire at a cattle breeding facility in Australia has caused thousands of dollars in damage after at least 100 cylinders containing bull semen were destroyed. So in an AI facility, the cylinders are what is filled with, um, oh, shoot. I I can't remember what the gas is, but it's the gas that keeps things super, super cold. Uh, Oh, cryogenic? Yeah, it's that freezing, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. That's not a guess. That's just a process. But okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Somebody correct us. <laughs> Somebody correct us. I always want to call it nitrous oxide, but that's not right. It's another no. one that starts okay. with that. Um, and uh, inside the cylinders are canes of semen. <laughs> so the cylinders are holding little canes full of semen, and each cylinder probably had like hundreds and hundreds of canes in them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So emergency services were called to the blaze in the early hours. And it took 10 fire crews more than two hours to fully extinguish the fire after it broke out around 3 o'clock in the morning. And a spokesman for the county fire authority told them that the fire had completely shredded the building. And they said that the crew had to be wary of projectiles coming at them (laughs) while they tackled the blaze. (laughs) The liquid inside the cylinders was rapidly expanding, and essentially the lids of the cryogenic cylinders were just popping off the top and projectiles were being thrown from the building, he told ABC. That was like the most politically correct way to say that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So firefighters went into defensive mode initially to protect themselves because... There were also LPG cylinders at the neighboring property, and they did a magnificent job. I don't know what LPG is, but there must have been an adjacent property that also had dangerous things at it. So they were like, oh, shit, we got to take care of this. (laughs) (laughs) And the firefighter said that he had never had anything to do with artificial insemination side of things before during his career. Well, that's good. A firefighter probably shouldn't have to deal with artificial insemination. (laughs) Right, with exploding cow semen. Yeah, I feel like that's a weird day at the office for anyone. Uh, Yeah, I feel like it would be too. Like, unless you already work with cow semen, like, that is your office. (laughs) Right, right. But that that cow semen business, man, is lucrative. You can make a lot of money. Yeah, and the goat semen one is also, because I have looked Mm. into artificial insemination for the goats but you gotta like learn how to do it and you need all this equipment and yeah it's just easier to do it the old-fashioned way if you can yes (laughs) with the sixth f (laughs) (laughs) so what can't you even get over this week so as i was searching just like farm news this morning i saw And I feel like this is perfect for fall season and Halloween. I saw a headline that read, Body Farm Study Shows Corpses Move for Months After Death. Oh my gosh, for months? For months. So I feel like this was kind of like a little clickbaity, personally. And I got this article from technologynetworks.com. 
So I'm going to talk about that, and then I'm going to talk about this study a little bit. So Allison Wilson flies thousands of kilometers each month so she can continue tracking the arm and leg movements of a human donor in bushland at Australia's body farm on the outskirts of Sydney. The body has been moving for 17 months, and Allison's time-lapse camera has been recording the whole time. Oh my gosh. And it's, yeah. It, it's believed no one else in the world is research, researching post-mortem movement in this way. And she says, we think the movements relate to the process of decomposition as the body mummifies and the ligaments dry out. The knowledge can be um, significant for unexplained death investigation. So that's the purpose of this study. So Allison goes and visits this Australian facility for taphonomic experimental research. And this facility is called AFTER for short. She goes on a monthly basis to change the camera batteries and download the data. Uh, getting into the study a little bit, um, they're est- what they're doing is estimating the postmortem interval or PMI um, and its high importance in death investigations. So understanding decomposition decomposition rates for a human donor in the Australian environment is important for police, forensic anthropologists, and pathologists for the estimation of that postmortem interval to assist with the identification of unknown victims as well as the investigation of criminal activity. So this study has one human body that was donated to after, um, 24 hours after his death, and he's a mature male who died of natural causes, had some minor scrape-type injuries on his legs, but nothing major, um, nothing traumatic, like a murder or anything like that. Um, So within those 24 hours of his death, he was placed outdoors at after, um, laying on his back on top of unaltered soil on the ground and inside a cage, which is like just over four meters high, um, two and a half meters wide and four meters long. So for you Americans, <laughs> you might need to do some calculations for feet, but it's a pretty big box. I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> so I think they're like, what, three feet to a meter? Mm, sure. Okay. I have no so idea. it's a big box. It's a big cage. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like um, it. And this cage has a door so researchers could go inside of it without disturbing the body um, and the cage is actually required to prevent scavengers from disturbing the remains and removing hard tissue elements. Because yeah. remember, you're in Australia, you're just outside of Sydney, you're in the bushland, like, there's stuff out there other than humans that would mess with this. <laughs> yeah, like the dingoes. Like the dingoes. <laughs> the donor um, was put in place February 2018, and images are camped, was an image capture was initiated within two hours of the donor arriving on the site. So the way this is working or was working, I think this part of the study is wrapped up, but there were um, five time-lapse cameras that take pictures every 30 minutes. Um, And it's only during daylight hours. And it was for the first six months of the decomposition. So they do recognize that there's a limitation with this study because they're not taking pictures overnight. Oh, yeah. So the application of this total body score, and it's a method from this McGessie guy, 
or girl. I shouldn't assume it's a guy. Um, but that methodology is supported by the results of the study. And it turns out that that uh, methodology is pretty accurate because they were able to predict the PMI uh, or the time of death from the donor in the Australian environment based on that. Um, but they do point out in this study that it's important to check the body for decomposition first thing in the morning. Um, that produces the most accurate result later in the day um, than later in the day. So obviously if checking it first thing in the morning is the most important, like what's happening at night with the temperature change and all of that, um, and they weren't actually able to capture like photos throughout the night. So um, they did have one unexpected outcome um, or excuse me, they had an expected outcome for the study that the scoring decomposition five times a day, um, would be significantly more precise than standard observation studies. Uh, the study did not result in more precise estimates throughout it though, every 24 hours. So basically my takeaway from this was if you got a dead body, check it in the morning, taking pictures of it all day probably doesn't really help anything, but it doesn't hurt anything. But I thought this was kind of interesting because, like, I've heard of body farms before, but I'm not sure that a lot of other people have. And it's a different kind of farm <laughs> that is very important. <laughs> but when we say we drink and we farm things, you know, we, we're not thinking body farms. Yeah. But I think this stuff is really important work because these crimes can happen and it's really difficult to... Um, nail down cause of death and time of death accurately, especially if that body's been hanging out for a while. Um, another piece that I thought was interesting that was that decomposition happens rapidly for the first 1400 hours, but after that it kind of levels off. Oh yeah. Cause it's like kind of mummified. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So technically you're still moving for quite some time. It's just for a different reason. <laughs> So a, a couple of things. So I did know that bodies moved post-mortem because I don't know if you had ever heard of those like emergency coffins, you know, that like they used to make. Yeah. And, you know, like the early, early like Renaissance age and whatnot. The bell ringers. The bell ringers. Yeah, exactly. And the bell would ring and it turns out it's just because like gas escaping the body like mm -hmm. caused a movement. And so that yeah. made the bell ring. So I did know that bodies moved, but I'm curious why they didn't use a game camera on the body. Because like that would have registered every time there was a movement. And it they but also have like night vision on it, so they could have recorded all night. I doubt the movement would have been significant enough. Oh, okay. So we're not saying that like during decomposition, like an arm flies up. I'm like picturing in right. my head, like this dead body is like arm going straight up. Right. That's why that <laughs> article was kind of clickbaity to me. Oh, okay. It sound like it's moving a lot, but it's just moving because of you're kind of like shriveling. Yeah. Continuously. So taking those pictures every 30 minutes, you'd probably see very slight movements. Okay. But if it was a game cam, like you need some bigger movement but they could have like put lights on the cage or yeah um had some kind of like infrared camera type deal they just chose not to do that for the study so i think that means they're gonna need another donor body 
to kind of do a redo to see if those accelerated rates of decomposition were actually accelerated or was it just because you weren't taking pictures for a couple hours? Yeah. I don't so. know. I think all of that it's is really fascinating though. though. Yeah. yeah. Especially since we like true crime. True, <laughs> true crime. That's yes. what I'm looking for. We have lots of interests, not just farming and drinking. <laughs> I mean, body farm, you know. <laughs> all right. So... Do you want to read this week's farm story? Yes. We got this farm story from the Instagram. Yeah. And it was actually a post from at Woodwire Iron over there. And she made a post that said, my new cup from at Drink and Farm couldn't have arrived at a better time. Me and Louie are retired. <laughs> Yesterday, uh-huh. one of the scrap piles I needed to burn was full of bees. Oh, God. (laughs) So I did what I could during the day and then had to burn the pile with wasps in it at night. Oh, that sounds like my nightmare. Yes. I had just taken a big shot of whiskey and buttoned my flannel all the way up for safety against the flaming angry bees, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And was going to figure out how to start a ground nest on fire while hopefully not starting my barn on fire. When, as usual, Farmer Brad shows up in the nick of time. He just grabbed the gas can and started the fire and made me relax. And then we had to drink those beers while we monitored the burn. (laughs) Yes. So that's awesome. I'm glad that our coffee cup uh, just made all of that better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you can get your very own at (laughs) drinkandfarm.com. That's right. (laughs) And how can they get a discount on that coffee cup? Well, they can get a discount on that coffee cup by doing us a favor and sharing this episode over on Instagram and your stories and tagging at Drink and Farm. If you do that, we're going to send you a promo code that is just for this episode that'll give you a certain percentage off in the shop. So what you can do is just take a screenshot or um, share the picture that we drop in our feed and tag us and tell people you're listening to us and that, you know, they should too. Exactly. Yes. So we are doing a new thing where we read our favorite Apple podcast review of the week. So be sure and leave our podcast a review. And if you don't have an Apple product, you can still review us by downloading iTunes to your regular old desktop or laptop computer and leaving a review there. Yes. And make sure you put your Instagram handle or your full name in there so we know exactly who you are and how to find you. Because if we pick your um, review, we're going to read it for that week. At the end of the month, we're going to put your names in a hat, draw the name out of the hat, and you'll get an exclusive coffee mug if you win. And this coffee mug will not be in the shop and it never will be. So the only way you can get it is by leaving us a review and being the lucky winner. And this week's review is from CM Chicken, and the title of the review is Favorite Chore Slash Driving Podcast. And she says, well, I shouldn't assume she. This person says, such a great podcast. I listen when I'm driving or doing chores and completing my chicken, garden, dog, and horse setup. And it's such a great podcast to run through. Bev and Sam are awesome and love hearing their experiences and resources. So thank you so much. Those are such nice words and we appreciate them. And your name will be put in the hat for the drawing at the end of the month. Yeah, thanks. 
So be sure and hit that subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find the podcast. Yes. And make sure you take a look at today's show notes to find links to the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing, a Facebook community, and our merch shops. And thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed today's uh, stories and lessons learned that we share, and we hope that it helps make your life a little easier. And until next time, drink, farm, and and give zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.